Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. Uh, we believe in conversation around here because we believe that you experience God through one another. So would you find three or four people around you and answer this question, what's most sacred to you right now? I was driving on the freeway this week, and I had the motorcycle guy, right? I can see him coming uh, like behind me, and I drive like a giant vehicle, so I do what like a decent human being would do, and I slowly pull over just so that he can come by. Some of you, are you motorcycle people? You know? No, that's just what you do, right? It's just decent human beings. L.A. is wild, by the way. I'm from Colorado. Like, in every other state, what do you do in the left lane? You go fast, and that's where you pass, and then you get in the right lane if you're going not in Los Angeles. No one gives a shit where you're at. You're just there. It's like playing Frogger through traffic. It's absolutely crazy. That is not what I was going to talk about, but I was just thinking about that as you were cheering, just human decency on the roads in Los Angeles. It's not a thing. So I pull over just a little bit so the guy can get behind me, and he gives me one of these, you know, like, like, yeah, you see that thing? And I was like, does he do that every time? Like, is he on every day to work? He has like 17,245 ones of these for people to pull over. And then it made me think a little bit more about the reality of motorcycles are wild. This is crazy that we allow human beings to drive these death traps on roads in Los Angeles. There is nothing about this. Are you motorcycle riders? You're crazy. I've never known someone on a motorcycle who does not get hurt or injured at some point. Not because of you, because there is somebody texting their friend right now. And, and they're not looking. They're not slowly pulling over. They're pulling into you. Right? It's, a, it, it's, it's wild. The whole experience to me was I, don't need, I don't actually don't want the guy to do this thing. Like, I want you to have both hands on the steering wheel <laughs> at all times because you're going 80 miles an hour down a freeway. You should never take time to do this when the only thing between you and death is a leather jacket. Right? That is absolutely wild. So I'm slowly pulling over for you because I believe that life is sacred. I don't need your thanks. I just believe that life is sacred. I need to make space for you because you are making decisions clearly without a frontal lobe. And so that's okay. That's okay. Those are your choices, not my choices. And so what I want to think about today is reclaiming sacredness. That I want to reclaim sacredness and make space for it in our lives. And because of the beers and the coffees and the opportunity that I have to be a pastor in this community, I hear it coming up again and again and again. That we want more sacredness. That there's all these things that we've made room for and the world's getting bigger and more interesting, but there's also some things that we want to hold again and connect to again. And so with that, if we're going to talk about sacredness, we're going to talk about some things. We're going to talk about zitzum, because everyone's favorite words from the cabal of the 14th century. Am I right? You've been reading as well. Good for you. I love it. If we're going to talk about that, then we're going to talk about sacred and secular. And if we can talk about sacred and secular, then we have to make a bigger tent. And if we can make a bigger tent, then we can think about how there's an inclusive and exclusive view to sacredness that we see in our world all of the time. And if we can understand that, then, you know, a new album dropped, apparently, Beyonce. Yes, that's good. That's good. I, I know where our, where our audience stands. Uh, and if we can do that, then we'll talk about we got to want it. And if we can want it, then Coachella, my friends. And if Coachella, then we're going to make some space. And if we can make some space, then... We've got to move beyond ourselves. So in order to do that, let's read Exodus 19, verse 3. It goes like this. 
Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said... So by the way, what's happening here is that the people of God, the Israelites, the Hebrews, have moved out of Egypt, right? God did all of the fireworks display. They went through the Red Sea, and now they are at a holy mountain, and together the people of God are going to hear from God. And so they are all collected around the mountain for this sacred moment of revelation to hear what God has for them now that God has freed them and rescued them, liberated them from Egypt and from Pharaoh. And God says this, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. Pause for dramatic effect. (laughs) You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Wow, this is really dramatic. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all of the nations, you will be my treasured possession, although the whole earth is mine. I'm taking time for you to press the button. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. God is inviting Israel into a different reality. A lot of times in the world that we grew up in, we were told and taught about the things that Jesus was saving us from. If many of you grew up in a conservative environment like me, Jesus was saving me from hell. Jesus was saving me from like horrible tribulation. I don't know if it was pre or post or whatever the thing may be. You know, it depends on uh, if you were listening to Kurt Cameron or not. Um, There was always a different thing that Jesus was saving me from. But the message of the scriptures and the story of Jesus is that Jesus is really liberating us for something. It's not just taking us away from something bad, that God wants us to live for a radical kingdom that changes the world here and now. And God knows that there's things in our lives, systems, or things we deal with personally that we need to be liberated from. We all have Egypts and Pharaohs that need to be dealt with, and when those things are dealt with, God wants to lead us into a new reality that we can be for some stuff. So God doesn't give a revelation just to Moses secretly behind a room with some golden scrolls. What God does is he says, I want all of the people to hear these words together. I took you out of Egypt on eagle's wings so that you could be a holy nation. So that together, corporately, you would have a story to tell the rest of the world. I want you to experience this sacred moment together. That what is happening in our culture and in our world is that we are trying to expand the tent of humanity. And we're doing it because the tent of humanity, particularly in places like the United States of America, have not always worked for everyone equally. So we want to expand the tent so that everybody has room under the tent. We've expanded it socially and sexually and through gender. We've expanded it ideologically, right? We're expanding it. We're seeing a reformation in the church right now. That's why you can go online and you see things like deconstruction and reconstruction because we're expanding the tent saying that smaller version that you gave us over there doesn't work for humanity. And as we expand the tent, there are many of us who are like, man, I'm glad we're doing this because I want this story of Jesus and I want this kingdom of God to work for everybody. My faith is in this Jesus and this kingdom of God. The United States of America never fully satisfy me in that way. There's no ideology, there's no nation, there's no system that can fully satisfy me in that way. Jesus knows this and says that's why you need an internal kingdom that can handle any empire, any system. 
And so we expand that reality within ourselves. But as we're expanding that reality within ourselves, and as we're working hard to live in the actual culture that we live in and expand that tent, we're also asking greater questions of, okay, now that this tent is so huge about how I think about God and, you know, I just have a bigger idea of maybe what the Bible is and who Jesus is, now what are the things that I hold on to? Because I love that it's more spacious in here now. I love that it's more roomy in here now. But I want something that I can still hold on to and say, ah, oh, this, this thing brings me comfort. Because as expansive as we want to be in Los Angeles in 2022, we're still human beings. And sometimes when we can know something and there's something concrete, that it comforts us in a way that is actually good. The Zitzim idea is a Kabbalah idea from six centuries ago where the rabbis began to talk about if everything is holy, then nothing is holy. That in order for everything to be holy, then the, the God has to limit God's self in some way to create space for things. We most see this in a story like the creation story, where on the seventh day, God rests. That God is making space for some things. God is making space for sacredness. That the whole Jewish religion is all about your proximity to holiness, literally even geographically. There's a holy of holies, and then there's a holies, and there's a temple, and there's all these other things that you do. And there's even things that happen on a calendar, like there's a day of atonement. That holy, holy, holy thing only happens one time a year, and the other things you do at different times a year. Because the realization is, hey, you're a human being, and you can't live that way all of the time. There's some things you got to do, there's some things you got to build, there's some things you got to create. But then there's other moments that you need to take a breather. There's other moments that you need in your life to create some space to experience sacredness. We've been pushing in here, you may realize, with music in different parts of our liturgy. Because we realize that people have been asking us, hey, I want to worship again. There was a time that I came into New Abbey and every time I heard worship music, I was triggered. Right? There was something about it that maybe was painful for me. What it represented is a way for me to connect with God, but it also represented a place or a system or an institution or a person who would tell me one thing about God but then treat me another way. And so now as we find safety in this bigger tent that we're making together, we're saying, oh, we want to reclaim some things. We want to make that space sacred again so that we have some places in our life where we can be reminded of what's true about who God is and who we are. And so if we're going to think about reclaiming sacredness, there's just three things I want to do with it. And the first thing is you just have to want it. Now, I know maybe that sounds really simple, but I think that we live in a world where we think that we need things, and if we need something, we're going to go after it. Uh, as somebody who's been a good addict in his life, that's just not true. So we know we need things like food and shelter and water and comfort and love. And I've been an addict where I wanted something else so much more badly than that that I ignored those things in my life. So sometimes we guilt ourselves into things like, I need to eat healthier. I need to take care of my body. I need to have this type of relationship. I need to love my spouse. It doesn't matter if you need it if you don't want it. Want is the most powerful urge of a human being. If you want something, I promise you, you will find a way to go get it. We can need everything in the world. We need sacredness. I know that. But as a community, we have to want sacredness in a different way. It has to be something that we proactively and actively choose. How do we want sacredness? How do we choose otherness? How do we say, yes, there's a part of my life that I want there to be something concrete, whole, that I can grab onto, something that can remind me about what the rest of my life can look like. 
Now, the thing about wanting sacredness is that we're not just talking about Sunday gatherings. If we were just talking about that, that is way too small of a view for humanity, right? If all that we're doing is trying to perpetuate asses and seats on a Sunday, man, we have really missed the point of Jesus. What we're trying to perpetuate is your health, your transformation, and your maturity so that how you live in the rest of your life is actually changed and better and whole. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and life to the fullest. That's the thing that we're trying to do around here, build lives that move us towards our fullest version of who we are. And in order to do that, we all have to want some sacredness. And so maybe as you're thinking about what's sacred in your life, maybe for you right now you're saying, I want to have sacredness in my relationships. I want to pick some things back up and I want these things to be beautiful again. Maybe it's, I want sacredness around my body and, and who I am or the choices I make, how I work out or what I eat. I don't know what it might be. I want sacredness again around the scriptures. I want it to mean something to me, to have something to say to me. I want sacredness around X. It's your choice where you want sacredness. The point of it is that we choose sacredness in different parts of our lives to remind us that the rest of it is sacred as well. But how do we want sacredness in a new and a beautiful way? If we're going to want sacredness, then we also need to make room for sacredness. Making room for sacredness is something that the Israelites would do all of the time. Have any of you ever read through like Leviticus and Numbers just because you were looking for a good time? <laughs> Great. Well, I have, and if you want to, join along. All of Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, these books that come after Genesis and Exodus are about, is it's about the people of God being a holy nation now. It's about them practicing a version of holiness that literally makes physical space for their sacredness in the world. And there's a lot of details around that sacredness. There's details around that sacredness of how you sacrifice something and when you sacrifice something and why you sacrifice something and what that could mean and how you make this decision here because that reminds you of sacredness in this part of your life. That repentance in the ancient Jewish idea, right, is that if I'm repenting of something, I'm really taking ownership of something. So I am going to, if I do something wrong in my life, I'm going to give up a possession, like give a goat over here so that I don't do the thing again. Imagine for you when you're repenting in your life, that you had to give up your Camry. You might not do the thing again, right? That was the point of the story is they were just reminding the people of the sacredness in their lives that when they were living sacredly, then they treat the world in a different way. There's all these sacred regulations around like, man, the crops in your fields, you're always gonna leave the edges there. You're gonna leave something, you're gonna make room on the edges of your plantations or your farms or your harvest so that poor people always have something to eat. You're making room for sacredness. It was practical. It was practical in a way that made the rest of the world better. There's endless rules and regulations, and sometimes in the world of Christianity, we're like, ah, I don't know. Jesus died, so we don't have to do those things. Sure, yes, and great. But also these things are really helpful to remember because it reminds us of what would it look like for me to practice sacredness in my life. If I want it, how might I make space for it? How might I make space for it with small, practical um, opportunities? For me, making space in my life for sacredness right now is just sacredness around rest. I'm an Enneagram 3. I am horrible at rest. I love to run from my emotions because I have mommy issues. We all have things. And so I need to make space for rest and make it sacred in my life. And things don't work for me like take a whole day off. Convenient for you, God, more difficult for me. Or, you know, every Monday I do this. No, I find that I get these like three-hour chunks a couple times in my week, and that's what I need to reclaim sacredness. That's like I lock my door, the doors are shut, I have headphones in, it's Netflix, it's black in my room, I don't ever want to hear a child's voice. I get sacredness. 
It's just for me to zone out. But when I zone out in that moment, it just allows me to calm and relax and actually allows me to get in touch with myself and to hear what's going on in here because I know how I'm wired and how I'm wired is I'm going to go run after some things in the rest of the week. And so right now in this moment, I just get to settle in and say, oh, that's the thing that's going on within you, Corey. That's why you've been working so hard over there because you're just really hurt about that relationship. Oh my gosh, Corey, you are just pushing so hard in these things because, man, you're just so stressed out about that conversation that's coming up. It's a moment for me to check in and recognize I'm sacred. And I make space to hear myself and the sacredness that's going on within me. What might be the sacred places that you're looking to reclaim? Is it a relationship? Is it work? Is it with God? Is it in your faith? Is it your spirituality? Is it practical things like prayer or scripture or worship music again? Um, is it working out? I don't know what it may be, but what do you need to make sacred in your life? Where can you specifically make room so that it allows you to be reminded of the sacredness that's in the rest of life? Because if it's all sacred, sometimes we forget that any of it's sacred. And so we need to remind ourselves in some places so that we have a better version of what's going on out there. I love that in this list of, uh, of uh, scripture that we didn't read, um, there's this part in there. This is such a tangent, but I just came to my mind, so I'm going to talk about it. So great. Go along with me in this journey. And in this uh, part of the story, God's telling them all the things that they got to do to consecrate themselves. God's like, you got to consecrate yourselves here. Nobody can touch the mountain. If you touch the mountain, you're going to die. You're like, okay, that's a weird story, God, but sure. And like, then these people can come out the mountain. These people can't go to the mountain. But then there's this one part, but on the third day, make sure everyone sexually abstains. You know, and I'm just like, wow, what a random thing to put in there. You know, just like a, a thing. And I was thinking about like, oh my gosh, and there's, there's some of you in this room, you're like, wait a minute, God rescued me from Egypt and from Pharaoh and from all of these things, but we can't have sex? I'm out of here, right? Some of you are like, too easy, I'm already doing it, right? I'm already sacred and holy. That's not funny. But we've all been there, so. But we've all been there. It's part of it. I don't know what's happening on a yacht, but that's just a, yeah. I'm just going to fix the stage. Yeah. You're going to consecrate the mountain in a different way. Okay. I really lost my train of thought. That was not sacred. That was not sacred. If you're new to New Abbey, you're like, man, is this what happens? Sometimes, sometimes. Uh, if you can't laugh, if you don't, can't have levity, I don't know, I don't know what you can do. We have to want sacredness, we have to make room for sacredness, and I think eventually when we do those things, we move beyond ourselves. And the gift of Jesus is that when we begin to find sacredness within ourselves and within our lives in more beautiful and deep ways, I think we begin to show the world sacredness in more beautiful and deep ways. And I feel heavy about that all the time because we do live in a place like the United States of America. We have elections coming again and we're all gonna be stressed about it and being mad and there's gonna be someone you know who's on Facebook commenting about stuff and it's, it's all awful. But there's so much anger and frustration of what's going on in the world because we realize it just doesn't work for everybody. And it's not because we don't want it to work for everybody. I think at times that we do, right? We do as human beings. We want to create space for the world to be sacred for everybody. That's why we created a representative democracy in the first place. We wanted to share power. It was a good idea. And we still haven't fulfilled it. And then there's some places in the world that are like, man, we want to share wealth. And so we created communism. Right? Because we said, oh, that's, that's how we want to share things in this world. And for me, the thing that I always come back to is that these other ide ideologies just won't fulfill, fulfill us and satisfy us. That it's really about us as the people of God sharing the kingdom of God in a different way. 
that I come back to the words of Jesus all the time, that whatever culture or whatever time or whatever city that we live in, it's our responsibility to show a different reality and a different perspective and a different kingdom to this world. I can't control all of these things. I want to control all of these things. But what I want to start with is finding sacredness and making room for sacredness in my own life. And then out of that, believing that that sacredness and me choosing that is going to begin to impact those around me. That every week when I just choose sacredness in my life to rest, I just show up as a better father. And if I show up as a better father, then when somebody is rude to one of my kids on the playground and my kids stand up for themselves or speak love or joy into that person's life, it's because my kids weren't trying to work through the hurt that I put on them, that they're just living into the love and the reality that they got from me in a different way. And then when that kid says something mean and my kid comforts them with love and then they receive love in a different way and then they go home. And then when they go home and that parent says something to them, right, we get it. We're just going to keep passing on the sacredness to one another, but it starts in the special, specific places in our lives. And so it's something that we have to want, and it's something that we have to make space for. And when we make space for it, I believe that it goes far beyond us. And the story of Israel is powerful for me, and I always want to come back to this fact. These events that we're talking about, if there's some historicity to them, fancy word for you, that was like 3,000 years ago or more. And we're sitting here today because people passed on sacredness to us. People took this thing seriously. We stand on the shoulders of giants who lived into this world through every empire you can imagine, through every system of oppression you can imagine, through every version of suffering and tragedy that you can imagine. And they took it upon themselves to say, I'm going to tell a better version of God in this world. And because of that, we're here today. And the vision that I live into, the vision that I hope for, is a vision for our children. That because of the faithfulness that we're going to choose, because of the sacredness that we're going to choose, that 20 years from now, there's going to be a bunch of kids that when they go off to college, they're not saying, man, I had to deconstruct, and man, that church hurt me, and man, they limited me. They're going to say, I can't even tell you the adults that were around me. I can't even tell you that when I was figuring out my sexuality, there was an adult there for me who just walked with me and comforted me and cared for me and told me that I'm good and that I'm beautiful and that I'm loved and that I'm known. There's going to be a kid out there who says, man, we reached out to the church because we couldn't pay our rent this month and they helped pay for it. And my mom and my dad or whoever told me about this falling off the stage, that was incredible. Woo! I was preaching. And I am not used to how short these boxes are. Someone told me that you don't have as much, William said, you don't have as much room to wiggle. That good, I need that because I move a lot. But that was, I was on a rant. And maybe that's just the Lord telling me, be done, be done, be done. You all said, and amen, and amen. I want to build this community together. We are this community together. We can want together a different version of sacredness. We can make room for sacredness in a new way that changes the world. You all are already impacting one another. You all are already impacting me and vice versa. Let's keep doing that thing so that decades and decades from now, we have a whole other generation who encounters God and the beauty of God and the sacredness of God in a new and a beautiful way. I'm grateful for you all. I'm grateful that we're doing this thing together. Would you get in groups of three or four and answer this question with one another? Where do you want to reclaim sacredness in your life? Enjoy.
Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.